Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of the Clever Girls Know podcast. This is Bola from clevergirlfinance.com and on today's episode, we're going to be talking about student loans and a few other things as well. And to help me out, I have a guest on the show, one of my finance besties. Her name is Melissa Buta and she is the founder of yourmoneyworth.com. And Melissa focuses on helping people create strategies and plans to pay off their student loans in a timely and effective manner. And this is something that she's had experience doing paying off her own loans and I really wanted to have her on the show today on the on the podcast today to talk through what you can be doing if you're struggling with student loans to make sure that you have a solid plan in place to pay them off so let's get into the interview the episode and talk to Melissa so welcome Melissa I am so excited to have you on the podcast you're actually my first guest Oh, yay. I'm so excited and honored to be here on Clever Girls No Podcast. Okay, so we're going to get right into it. And just for my audience and the people listening, tell us a little bit about you, who you are, and what you do. My name is Melissa Buta, like you introduced me earlier. And I am the founder of YourMoneyWorth.com that focuses on personal finance for Caribbean millennials, both those living here in the U.S. and in the Caribbean region. Um, My journey to start YourMoneyWorth.com started with me just figuring out and navigating my Caribbean student loan and U.S. loans um, that I took out after I came here to go to college um, in the U.S. And just through that process, I had to figure out strategies that work, um, understand how student loans work, and I wanted to create a platform that would equip other borrowers, both who have student loans from the Caribbean, like me, and those here in the U.S., um, navigate that and be able to pay them off and free up money to invest and save more. Awesome. I think that's really critical what you do because a lot of people have student loans. So fortunately for me, I don't have any because my mom paid for my college out of pocket, something that I'm forever grateful for. But there is a lot of people who are navigating the whole student loan debt world. You know, it's a big part of their debt portfolios. And like you, they're trying to figure it out or, you know, some people just haven't quite figured it out. So I think what you do is really really critical because you know as you already know on average um the average kid is graduating from college with about thirty thousand dollars in student loans and some people have student loans that go into the hundreds of thousands of dollars so you know having a firm understanding of how to tackle your loans and the tips and the tricks is really really critical otherwise a lot of people tell me they feel like they're paying off their student loans but the balance isn't moving right and i'm sure you get that a lot so it's almost like, what do you need to do to navigate? Um, so let's talk a little, a little bit about your story because you were able to pay off $37,000 in student loans. And in addition to paying off that debt, you had a wedding, you had a baby, and you also bought a house. So it is possible to pay off your debt and still live life you know, and accomplish your goals. So Melissa, tell us a little bit about how you were able to do that. Well, the the first thing I did is really took a look at my financial position starting out after college. Mm-hmm. Um, like many students, when you're signing up for the student loans, um, your focus is just getting through college, you know, finding a way to pay 
um, for school and maybe not paying much attention to what the actual real life cost is going to be after graduation. But um, that was true for me. But once I graduated, I really took a look at the the damage of the the student loan debt, and I and and the student loan debt wasn't enough for me. I had some credit card debt too, but most of it was a student loan debt. But actually, looking at the numbers, looking at that scary figure mm-hmm. of um, a total of sixty-eight thousand dollars in student loan and a little bit of credit card debt um, was really the starting point. Looking at it, looking at where I was starting from, um, and then um, just being committed and having a desire to to reduce that debt um you know at that point i had a large negative net, net worth and mm-hmm. i i wanted to be committed to figuring out and prioritizing paying down my debt while still um saving and um investing for the long term so mm-hmm. i had to figure it out i didn't know exactly how it was going to pan out but I was. I knew where I was starting from, and I knew um, I had to figure out that path. So the next thing I did was just coming out of um, graduate school, and once I found a full-time job, is to keep my expenses and my overhead low. Okay. And I know there's a lot of figures and rules of thumb about um, what is a typical um, housing cost or transportation cost, and I, the figure is sometimes you know 30% of your income. But for me, I, I know and I knew that because I had so much debt that I wanted to, um, to pay off and I still wanted to have room to save and invest um, for retirement, I had to keep my housing much lower than 30%. Yeah, and I think that's important for people to recognize that, you know, there's a lot of standards out there about what you need to do, you know. And how you should do stuff. Oh, save 10% for retirement. Save 10% of everything you earn. But you really have to bring it into perspective of what is it that you are trying to accomplish in your life. And your goal was paying off student loans. So that 30% housing cost didn't make sense for you, right? So for you guys listening, it's all about, okay, fine. All these standards are out there. All these guidelines are out there of what you should be saving, what you should be paying. But then you want to think about your goals and how quickly do you want to accomplish them and what are you willing to do and sacrifice to accomplish your goals? So I love that you did that, Melissa. Yes. And um, yes. So yes, that was, that was I would say, one of the cornerstones is, is keeping my overhead low. Mm-hmm. Um, then um, just being, making a plan, making a plan of, um, I know my minimum payments for my student loans, and I know um, a certain percentage, a minimum of, of 7% or 5% that I want to contribute to retirement. Um, when I cover those bases, how can I pay more than a minimum on my student loan? Mm-hmm. So I had multiple student loans. I had um, private U.S. student loans federal student loans and a Caribbean um, international private student loan. So, um, and they had different interest rates. So figuring out what was costing me uh, more Mm -hmm. in interest on a monthly basis and also considering, you know, what is going to motivate me to keep going because tackling um, a large amount of debt is not going to happen overnight. So um, one of the things I did, I didn't, necessarily start with the most expensive loan I started with a loan that I felt like you know I shouldn't even have taken out this loan 
um, it's a small loan and if I pay it off quickly, I know it will give me that, that motivation. So I, I picked a loan that annoyed me the most <laughs> and I paid that off um, you know, within some months. And then from there, um, I shifted my focus to my Caribbean student loan that was the most expensive. It had um, a 9% interest rate. And I knew um, by prioritizing my extra payments to that loan, it would save me the most money um, and get me to, to pay down um, my total debt faster by tackling um, that, that one that had the highest cost. Okay. So, and one thing I wanted to ask is, in my experience, I found that it isn't uncommon for people to have more than one loan, right? Like having that multi or multiple loans with different terms and conditions and interest rates around them, that's fairly common, right? It, it is very common. And even for um, borrowers who, who only have U.S. loans, um, they they and even if they only have federal loans, so on the, on the U.S. side, there are private and federal loans. Mm-hmm. Um, the private lenders uh, make their own terms, um, but it's usually a, a fixed uh, interest rate. It could be variable, um, and then um, you you repay that once you finish um, school. For federal student loans, the federal student loans um, have different types, and um, they're different rules. So, for example, there's an unsubsidized student loan um and then there's subsidized student loans, and then there are um, plus student loans, and then there are consolidation loans through the federal government. And all those different loans have different rules in terms of um, when interest accrues on that loan, who is responsible for paying it, whether it's the government or not. And once you graduate, um, you end up with multiple loans too, even if you have federal loans, because mm-hmm. you are issued a new loan every um, every year. So when you graduate, you have these multiple loans, um, different types, different interest rates, because the interest rate for federal loans can change every year by Congress. So you could end up with loans with different interest rates, um, different types, um, and, and really you need to really know which, which ones are which, uh, what rules apply, and, and what is really the balance on each of them. Mm-hmm. And that can certainly be very overwhelming, knowing that you have different loans that have different terms or that could possibly be changing from year to year. Um, I think that's one big reason why people kind of get overwhelmed or get stuck around their student loans. And I like that you mentioned that you picked a strategy, you did an assessment of all your loans and you decided, okay, I'm going to tackle this one first because it's the most annoying. So it's almost like think about how you would tackle your credit card debt, right? Um, you would create a debt strategy and a debt prioritization and that same approach can apply to your student loans. I find that a lot of people tend to separate their student loan <laughs> debt <laughs> for their, from yes. their credit card debt and they kind of know how to approach their credit card debt but their student loans because it just seems so complex and overwhelming they just kind of keep making the payments because um, the government or the, pri- the private um, creditor has created this plan for them and says you're on a 20 year plan or you're on a 15 year plan and they just think that that's what they should follow but you don't have to and if you want to get ahead with your student loans, you're going to have to come up with your own strategy and aggressively attack it the same aggressive way that you would attack your credit card debt. Right, Melissa? Yes, you have to. And um, it's important to understand, now that you brought up the, the, the point about repayment, is that 
your lender, no matter what the, who the lender is, um, whether it's a credit card, whether it's a federal student loan or a private student loan, whatever repayment terms that they provide to you, um, and for example, if you have a 25-year repayment term, that just defines the minimum um, the minimum terms or the minimum payment or the minimum or the maximum amount of time that the lender expects you to repay this loan. Mm-hmm. Now, the lender is not concerned about what your net worth is. It's not con- <laughs> the, the lender is not concerned about um, whether you, you you know you want to re- reach a debt-free goal or you want to have um, more cash freed up as much as possible to invest in other things. They don't care about that. So you look at your repayment plan as kind of the minimum requirements the lender expects. They are depending on you to pay for 25 years and they are counting on you to give them a certain amount of profit by yep. extending your repayment by that, that amount of time. Now, if you want to be in control of your finances, you know, forget about the stress or, or, or the shame or, or any feelings of, you know, I don't even know how I got here. You know, nobody told me about this. And, and you know, I had those feelings. Personally, I had those feelings. Like, you know, I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be a smart person. I'm supposed to be an educated person. But how did I end up with, you know, 60, 70, $100,000 in student loans? You know, it might make you feel, you know, less than, you know, it might make you feel like, you know, you're not so smart. But yeah, the 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 point is that you need to look forward and take control and and um make your own repayment plan to pay it down as soon as possible um assess your expenses um assess your 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 um opportunities to earn more all with the goal of um paying off your your loans or debts faster and um taking back some of those profits that the lender expects to to get from you by paying the minimum Exactly, because, you know, lenders, credit card companies, student loan companies, they're in the business of making money. This is a business for them. There is no emotion attached to it. And the way they make money is on interest. So the minimum payments you make are by design by those companies to keep you in the cycle of that loan for the maximum amount of time so that they can make the most amount of money from you. It is a, it's a business transaction. So, you know, the anger you have towards the credit card company or towards your student <laughs> loans, that anger, you want to take it and package it up and then channel it to aggressively attacking your debt as opposed to blaming them because they don't care. And I love how you talked about, um, you know, getting past the emotions because, yes, when you have a lot of debt, it can be overwhelming. When you have made money mistakes, it can be overwhelming. If you took out more loans than you needed to and you you, you get the bills later, you know, it can be overwhelming. But now that you are in this current space then the most important thing is what are you going to do next because now you have you know you kind of have started thinking about where do you want to take your life where do you want to get to do you want to get to wealthy do you want to be financially secure do you want to have financial peace and knowing those things should be the motivation to keep you going so it's all about understanding yes you've made the mistakes but what lessons can you learn you know that next time You're not going to take student loans. You're going to help your kids make better decisions around student loans. You're going to make sure that you read the fine print, whatever the lessons are, and then take those lessons and apply them to your future success and don't allow yourself to stay stuck. And so I always say on social media, when I talk to clients and everywhere, I say, 
you have to forgive yourself for your money mistakes because yes until you can forgive yourself you're gonna stay stuck you're gonna stay mad at the loan company mad at your college mad at your your guidance counselor who made you sign up for the who who suggested the loans to you um but it's all about taking ownership and then deciding what you want to do next and people are paying off massive amounts of debt melissa has paid off about 60 percent of your debts right your student loans Yes. People are paying off debt and people are doing this on average um, salaries. And Melissa, you didn't mention that paying off your student loans, your wedding, your baby, your house, this was all done without you making six figures. So it's very, very possible. Um, So let me ask you this next question. Um, Based on your interaction with your clients and people that you help, what do you find is the biggest mistake that people make in their approach to paying off their student loans and what advice would you give them so i think the biggest mistake um that people make with their student loans is really um their mindset and i say mindset because um people don't really understand like how debt really plays a role Mm-hmm. in the journey, in the life that they want, in the life that they, they want to live. So I always say that, you know, a lot of people, the life that you want, and even my life, you know, something that has guided me, is that the life that I want is on the other side of this debt that is that, that I took out, that I am responsible for. Such a great way to put And, it. yeah, and um, I think people's mindset is, you know, I know that I want to get rid of this debt, you know, I know I, I but... Um, you know, how is it going to affect my credit? If I pay it off too fast, is, is it going to affect my credit? Now, if your life, if your debt is standing between you and the life you want, um, credit scores are important, but really your, you, the debt, which is a major um, barrier for you, um, you should be focused on how can you pay it off? How can you free up um, more cash to, to accelerate that payoff as opposed to Oh, well, I want to pay it off, but, you know, I have to think about my credit score and if it's going to drop two points. So Girl, I think the mindset is, about is credit. one of the biggest thing. <laughs> if one more person tells me about credit in comparison to paying off their debt. <laughs> yes. And, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's, you know, for me, it's very, you know, I, I'm always taken aback because, and even the same approach with credit cards, you know, I've, I've seen people ask questions and this is not to shame anyone. But again, just to highlight that, you know, you, your mindset may need to shift, you know, oh, well, I have a credit card that has a 19% interest rate, but, and I have $500 to pay off the balance. Should I pay monthly? Because if I pay it off too quickly, I'm afraid that my credit score will drop. And, and mm-hmm. in fact, <laughs> your credit score can drop if you pay off your loans, you know, in one fell swoop, but you're going to be saving 19% interest. So really you have to shift that mindset, um, you know, from just thinking about, you know, these minor things that that don't really fall into where you want to go. And and credit does matter. And, you know, know, I just, I was laughing about it just now by saying if I hear one more person talk about credit. (laughs) I mean, Mm -hmm. it does matter. However, it's all about understanding the way things work. Credit is a means to purchase debt and it really should be called debt. That's what it is. Your debt, your debt, a debt school, your debt capacity. Yeah, it is. Uh, it is the means by which you can purchase 
debt. And the better your credit is, the larger amount of debt you can purchase. Don't get me wrong, credit is useful because you can leverage it to your benefit. You can use it to purchase assets like property, um, you know, that will grow in value over time, residential property, commercial property. There's other ways you 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 can leverage credit you need to have good credit when it comes to you know certain things for some employers you know in order to rent a house um for certain types of utilities so credit is an important factor however when it comes to paying off debt right you really have to weigh what is more important to you and this is that mindset thing you talked about is it more important for you to keep a good credit score your credit you know that your credit doesn't drop by a couple points because you know because you want to qualify for more debt or is it more important for you to get that debt out of your life and have peace of mind out of your peace of mind around your finances knowing fully well that your credit is going to recover you know if your credit drops a few points because you've paid off a debt it's it's definitely going to go back up yes um, because you've definitely you've 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 gotten rid of a debt You've paid it on time, and and um, I think other people don't understand too that paying your bills on time uh, is one of the the biggest factors in your credit score, and along with the the length of um, credit history, the length of the history. But if you paid your 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 debt on time, you paid it off, you reduced your utilization, you know your your credit score dropping by some points um in a short term you know is nothing compared to you getting rid of that debt and to me even more importantly stop paying 19 percent interest and double digit interest to you know to a lender and then put that money towards something that matters like saving for your for the goals that you have like investing you know like think about if you look at your debt today your student loans your credit cards right and imagine that you have that paid off think about all of that extra money you would now have that wouldn't be going to a creditor. What could you be doing with that money? You could be doing so much. You could be saving for your house, saving for vacation, saving for retirement, saving for your business. You could be basically all the things that you are dreaming about in your mind. That money can help you start to make those things reality. And so mindset, Melissa, what you said is so important. It's all about getting out of that cycle of debt is okay. You know, and yeah. that debt, you know, and good debt versus bad debt. And I talked about yes. that on a different episode. People say student loans are good debt. Student loans, it's debt. <laughs> you know what I say, Bola? The only good debt is one that you don't owe. Right? That's, that's, I love that's that. my definition of, of a good debt. One that you don't owe. And um, and I think it's important for people to understand too that a debt is a debt is a debt. There there are debts that are that are more dangerous you know, yeah. let's say, or put you in a more um, unstable financial position, like payday loans, if you're already living, um, you know, on the edge financially, um, they're, they're debt that um, don't help you to build wealth, like leveraging it for a house that you can afford. Mm-hmm. Um, there's debts like student loans that, that can help you get an education and get a um, access to career advancing um, position and help you earn over the uh, over the long term earn more but any debt that you take out whether it's for a home whether it's for something good quote unquote if it is excessive and it it prevents you from putting money to retirement or you know having a a cash cushion it becomes a bad debt so debt is yeah. debt is debt 
And any excessive debt, no matter what it's for, is not good for your financial health. Exactly. And one last thing on credit is, you know, you want to keep in mind that if you have the cash, if you have the cash physical means to pay for something, then you don't need the credit, right? Credit doesn't really matter. And a lot of people can't get back past the fact that they can have cash to pay pay for stuff but you can pay for your car in full you can pay for your trips you know in full in cash you can pay for your home in cash um, and it's very possible and if you do have a mortgage you know which is another kind of debt that is supposedly called good debt you can pay off your mortgage in the, in an accelerated way and own your home outright so again it's important to understand that credit is really a means to purchase debt. That's what it is and it's by design because you help these companies make money. This is how they stay in business, by selling debt to people like you and me who purchase them and we pay for the debt in the form of interest. Yes. So um, super important. This has been awesome, Melissa. <laughs> okay, so let's kind of uh, shift gears a little bit and I wanna know what is your favorite finance book? My favorite finance book is All Your Worth, um, The Ultimate Lifetime Money Plan by Elizabeth Warren, um, a US, now U.S. Senator, and her daughter. She wrote that book um, just outlining how you can um, think about your money in a holistic way, um, how to prioritize saving, how to have a balanced approach um, to your money. Um, she has the famous um, 50-30-20 rule for budgeting, mm -hmm. which just says that your essentials, your must-have should be 50% of your income. This is whether you're single or married, you know, whatever your household income is, your must-have expenses like housing and transportation, um, utilities and things like that should be no more than 50% of your expenses. And then that you should be saving for retirement um, retirement and short-term savings of at least 20% of your income and then 30%, you know, can be discretionary. And this is just a guide. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, I love that it, it, it really highlights the importance of keeping your expenses below 50%. And, yeah. um, it might not be possible or for you starting out or in your current financial situation, your housing might be 50% alone, but it kind of gives you a guide that says, well, if your housing is 50% now, then you might need to work on increasing your income so that you can bring down um, that expense in, in, a, in comparison to your income because this is kind of the, the, the proportion that you want to, to hit in order to be financially stable and have enough to save. So I, I like that. The second thing I like about her book is that she spoke about how um, the financial system and the actors can be very predatory, especially when it comes to mortgages. And, you know, she's very direct in saying that if you are a minority, it doesn't mean, you know, not making any assumptions about you as a minority, but just saying that the financial system in past and even, you know, recent times, mm -hmm. you know, have been predatory. And if you don't, and if you don't know what you need to look for in a mortgage, you know, to make sure you ask for a HUD one, which is, which gives you the details about your loan, whether it's fixed, whether it's variable, whether the, the, the payment is going to change. Um, you need to know this information so you can protect yourself when 
interacting with this system that has been predatory, especially for minorities. And I appreciate that she said that outright because that even helped me to know, well, when I, I'm getting a mortgage, there are things that I need to know and look for to make sure I understand what I'm signing up for. Yeah, and even by virtue of being female, you fall into that yes. minority category because yes. the financial services industry is created by men, designed by men for men. And so, you know, minority, not necessarily just about the color of your, your skin, yes. but also about your sex. Being female automatically puts you in that category in this world of financial services and financial products. Um, yeah. But I have to check out that book. I, I haven't heard about it. And I love to read personal finance books from a female perspective because they get it they get how you know when women write about personal finance they get how we relate to money topics um a lot of guys and it's nothing against guys because my all-time favorite um personal finance book which has a very personal place in my heart is by david back and he is male (laughs) yes but you know a lot of times when guys write about personal finance they use sports terminology they you know they just slap some pink on it and they're like finance for women they don't the approach is different and we just we're different beings you know we're like you know venus versus mars So yes, that's I like for to, sure. I like to I like to read a uh, female perspective. So I'm definitely going to check out that book. It's, that sounds pretty awesome. Um, and um, I love the budgeting take. You know, and sometimes when people are paying off debt, your debt will be your bi- biggest expense until you get it out of your life. But once you kind of start to achieve that balance where your debt balances are coming down, and you're able to do more of the things you want, you want to you know follow that advice of keeping your expenses your living expenses below 50 percent because once they start to creep higher than 50 percent then things get tight you're going to find it more difficult to save more difficult to invest and more difficult to live your life for the now so things like taking vacations or having fun or going out to eat or shopping will become really tight because your housing costs your car costs your insurance costs are creeping into you know the funds that you would have to otherwise live a good life right now. Um, awesome. So Melissa, last question for you. Well, second to the last question. Um, this is something that I just randomly thought up, but I wanted to find out what is your clever girl superpower? <laughs> so my clever girl superpower is being resourceful. Um, you know, even on, on my personal finance journey, you know, it, it, a lot of people say, well, you know, I, I didn't, I never learned about personal finance. I never learned about financial literacy, but I just think my, um, my ability to be resourceful and find the information that I need, um, not only in personal finance, but in, in every area of my life is just being resourceful and making it work and, and finding out what I need to know to get to where I want to be. I love that. That's an awesome superpower to have. Thank you for sharing. (laughs) Mm, Thank you. So, Melissa, this has been a great conversation. I appreciate you being here to share your knowledge and just talk to me and the other Clever Girls listening about your experience with money in general. So tell us how how folks can keep up with you and where can they get more tips on, you know, dealing with their student loans since this is what you specialize in. Um, anyone can follow me on social media at my name, which is Melissa um, Buta. I'm sure um, Bolo will tag it in in the show notes. Yeah, I will. And um, my website, yourmoneyworth.com. Um, 
I have a Money Massive Crew newsletter where I sh- every week I share um, money hacks and debt payoff strategy and just um, motivation as you, you are on this journey to not only get out of debt but really understand how your debt work and um, you know how to move forward and pay it off. So you can definitely go on my website and sign up there. Thank you so much. And you guys definitely stop by Melissa's website, yourmoneyworth.com to check out, you know, all of the great content she has to offer. Melissa, I appreciate you so much for being here. Thank you for sharing with my audience. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope you guys enjoyed listening to this episode. And if you did, I'd love for you to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes or SoundCloud and share it with a friend. And be sure to head over to clevergirlfinance.com and subscribe there as well. I'll catch you guys on the next episode.